0: This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 64. You're joining us for our Batman v Superman, semicolon, Dawn of Justice review. <laughs> Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Zine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back to Gotham TV Podcast, Gothamites. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John. And we're here today, finally, on our break with, from Gotham to discuss Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to discussing this.
1: Yeah, big uh, big movie piece uh, for our podcast. We don't normally do that, but um, yeah, really excited to... To, to talk about it, uh, certainly, uh, absolutely off the bat, I did like this uh, film. Can't wait to talk about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a really good, enjoyable film, actually. Good fun uh, to get out there. Yeah, I think the last time we probably did a podcast about one of the movies was back, when, back before Gotham began, when we did uh, the Batman trilogy, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises i must call it dark knight returns there <laughs> yeah the dark knight rises the christopher nolan trilogy uh, which we covered before gotham even began so uh, to get us some kind of idea of what we thought could be in gotham
1: yeah it, there's been quite a hiatus really for uh dc movies but now there's a big full slate apparently in the lineup to go ready to cover the dc universe i mean ultimately We have here the DC Age of Ultron and Avengers Assemble, where they have the three big characters from the DC Universe in Batman, Superman, and obviously Wonder Woman, who it was more of a cameo, but ultimately leading to um, really show that there is a bigger universe at play other than simply uh, Gotham or Metropolis on their own, uh, but that in addition to Gal Gadot's universe, you have... Uh, a multiverse, different Earths, and obviously different meta humans with the, um, little catches of Cyborg, Aquaman, The Flash. In this film as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lots to accomplish really with this film. Uh, kind of kick rebooting the universe for some of the people that didn't like Man of Steel. Don't know why, but for some of the people who didn't like it, kind of rebooting the universe and setting it up with loads of connections to uh, some interesting stuff, which we'll probably talk about as we go through the podcast. Uh, the way we cover our episodes, if you're just joining us for our Batman v Superman review and haven't heard any of our Gotham podcasts, there's 63 of them to go and check out. Uh, but if you haven't heard them, the way we cover our podcast is we discuss our top five points the things that stood out to us good and bad uh, from what we're talking about uh, and throughout that then we'll hopefully get into some notes uh, and additional thoughts about uh, about what about the overall thing that we're covering so uh, for this movie obviously being a movie and being a lot bigger project than a weekly TV show, which is only forty-two to forty-five minutes, uh, it'll probably keep the points a bit more broad than we usually do. But if you want to check out our thoughts on Gotham uh, and hear our thoughts on those weekly episodes as they as they are airing in the UK and Ireland uh, on Channel Five, uh, just all you need to do is just go and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. You can get that by going through our own uh, direct link through GothamTVPodcast.com/slash iTunes, or you can find us on any other good podcast catches where you listen to any other podcast uh, you can go and get that at, by searching for Gotham TV podcast uh, pretty much on every podcast catcher things like podcast addict uh, beyond pod stitcher uh, loads of other areas that are available but uh, you can catch us on any of those on a on a weekly basis when we're covering gotham
1: yeah and we'll also have some feedback as well at the end of our uh, five points each uh, and so if you have any feedback uh, any comments on Batman v Superman, but any comments on Gotham, please feel free to send them into feedback at GothamTVpodcast.com. You can also join our Gotham TV podcast uh, Facebook group. Just go on Facebook.com forward slash groups. Forward slash Gotham TV Podcast. And finally, to round out the trilogy of social media, we do have um our Twitter account, which is at Gotham TV Podcast.
0: That's right. Yeah, always great fun to be on uh, on the old Twitter, uh all the way throughout Gotham throughout the season and through uh, Batman v Superman. It's been great fun watching uh, people's reactions to Batman v Superman. Um different though they may be uh, to our own uh, impressions i suppose uh, it's always great fun to hear people's reactions and what their thoughts are so uh yeah come follow us over on twitter uh, we're always around so to kick off our podcast about batman v superman donna justice let me give you some some details behind who's responsible for uh for the movie obviously this movie was directed by Zack snyder who brought us man of steel who brought us the excellent ad- adaptation of the watchmen And who brought us Dawn of the Dead, the remake of uh, one of my favourite movies and one of my absolute favourite Zack Snyder films. Um, Really enjoyed that. The movie was written by Chris Terrio, who actually wrote Argo with uh, Ben Affleck and is signed up to write Justice League Part 1 and 2. uh, Along with the other writer, the most qualified writer in the DC and possibly even Marvel uh, writers universe, which is David S. Goyer. Uh, John, you got the chance to meet him at New York Comic Con a couple of years ago for his work on Constantine.
1: Yeah, really, really good, really knowledgeable guy. Um, real shame actually that Constantine ultimately as a TV show didn't, um, on the face of it, I think at least for the network appear to work out. Um, I think actually when you compared it to say, um, numbers uh connected with CW's uh attempt at the D C Worlds with, you know, Arrow and The Flash and Supergirl. It it compared very well with them in terms of numbers, mm-hmm. uh despite being in a really difficult position. So, you know, he really knows his um his comic book uh characters and, and the ones he really, really likes he knows e- even better. Certainly um, so, yeah. So you know, he's been a, a pretty steady influence. Um are on the d c world um for some time now um across both film and t v which is really pretty cool to see. I mean, you could almost argue um, a, a guiding light or, or guiding runner for how the DC world appears on the
0: big and large screen. Certainly. And when I interviewed him on our phone interview uh, about a year ago, one thing that really came across from him was his passion for the DC universe. Uh, I think he started out with Blade. He's the, basically the inventor of uh, of. The Marvel cinematic universe with the introduction of Blade. He also did the Nick Fury TV movie, which is close to my heart as a Nick Fury fan. Um, but his real kickoff in the, uh, in the other universe, in the DC universe is that he wrote the stories for all three Batman films before the treatments were given to the Nolans effectively. Um, who obviously did the actual screenplays, but uh, his fingerprints are on those films. I think we talked about it on our podcasts when we, when we did those reviews. Uh, And he also did the screenplay for Man of Steel. So he has both sides of the DC Universe, both Batman and Superman, really, uh, t- in his back pocket. So, uh, John, do you want to kick off and tell us what they gave us between the three of them? What's the synopsis for Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice?
1: As Metropolis and the wider world begin to come to terms with the presence of Superman, a wider premise is raised that gods or metahumans may literally live amongst us here on Earth. However, not all humans embrace these off-planet saviours, as both Batman and Lex Luthor begin to develop seemingly their own plans to confront Superman. With Batman suspicious of Superman's motives, and Lex driven in the belief that knowledge and not brute force should lead to power in this world, both put their plans into action, leading to a collision of unknown consequences, sending Lex down a desperate path that can only end in tragedy.
0: You're not wrong. Certainly some huge moments in this film. Um, you know, obviously the fact that they sold this film as Batman v Superman. I think a lot of people, a lot of the general uh, public, I suppose, the people that aren't huge Gotham fans or huge comic book fans just had the question of, well, who wins? Clearly it's going to be Superman because he is Superman. How can Batman win? But I think they answered that question quite well within this film, uh, giving Superman the power to be able to build a suit lined with kryptonite so he's able to have a bit of a boxing match with superman for one of the most exciting scenes in the film actually really enjoyed those fights between the two of them um but it feels like it's much more than that there's a lot more behind the storyline within this film and lots of great scenes and great moments within the film
1: yeah i mean this film is full of allegory really it's it's full of uh, a whole range of different meanings tons of easter eggs and it it really is jam-packed and the film's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but for me, um, it certainly didn't deserve some of the uh, the panning or some of the criticism that seemed to be leveled at it. Yeah. I mean, I think I go from um, sort of the rating given by um, Empire, which would be a three stars, for example, mm-hmm. which they would always argue in their podcasts is is a recommend. This is absolutely a recommend for anyone who is a fan of um comic book movies of good action movies quite frankly Mm -hmm. um and um in particular then the dc world and it it could even be you know higher than that a high recommend um for people who really are invested in the dc world i mean i do want to put it up front here now uh gotham um, batman is, is the area of dc that i know the best i'm not um that knowledgeable on superman on wonder woman on a lot of the other DC characters, if I'm totally honest. For me, DC has always been Gotham, Batman, the Joker, Riddler, mm-hmm. Penguin. Um, that I have absolutely adored. Um, and I, for some reason, for whatever reason, uh, growing up, I tended to get drawn to to Marvel. But again, this, as I said before... It's kind of doing the reverse of what Marvel has done in the cinematic world. This is the big Avengers Assemble, Age of Ultron, um, upfront showing the wider world before they go down ultimately their line of movies, which is looking in particular at, um, you know, the, sp- each individual, um, superheroes such as cyborg aquaman wonder woman yeah maybe you know coming back to a batman and okay we had superman uh man of steel which also did tee up um this world as well certainly but this really teed it up really gave a sense of of flavor of the dc world i mean even to the point where i actually really liked the um, just finding out that gotham and metropolis were were separated by just a, a bay know, that, yeah. that, from metropolis you could look out across the water you know this fairly expansive uh, body of water and you could see the the bat symbol rising from gotham i love that kind of inter-city rivalry that was brought out from this movie mm-hmm. as well um You know, from where I was born in the UK, you have Liverpool and Manchester, which have a huge, huge rivalry in terms of football. You know, there's a real sense of competition between them. And I think you kind of got this here with, um, Perry White saying, um, is water wet crime in Gotham or something to that effect? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Th- there's this real kind of suspicion and competition between these two cities. And I kind of felt that. I got that feeling. Even down to the fact that Soup's was suspicious of the bat and mm-hmm. the bat was suspicious of um Superman, you know, for for very different reasons, both Equally uh, justified, but I, I I love that kind of notion of black and white, of yin and yang here uh-huh. going on in this world. I thought it was a really nice. Uh, Thing to do and that added a lot of depth to this film I think
0: certainly certainly yeah I think one of the things I would say that kind of annoyed me to begin with is was the media coverage of this film because because it really put me on the back foot to start with on the movie and it felt like that's what they were that was what was intended to it so the press got a lot of early screenings to this film obviously uh, Warner Brothers were quite confident that this film was going to make the money that it needed to make uh, in order to justify the wider DC universe and what we've seen already is they've added two additional films so they're already huge slate of films right up to 2023 and um, they're very confident it's made the money that it needed to make it made it in the first weekend so they gave early press screenings and it felt like the press were jumping on it or the the, uh, the reviewers were jumping on it to say this isn't as good as Marvel this isn't as good as uh, 12 films into the Marvel cinematic universe so it's not worth your time this film is certainly worth your time it made me kind of angry that if you give someone a preview screening and they say well we're not going to spoil it for you they almost explode the experience because i felt like i was going in needing to like this probably more than i would have uh if i'd just been able to see it without hearing all the constant uh commentary about how how terrible the film was it certainly doesn't justify the reputation it certainly doesn't justify the constant um backlash that it seems to get or if you look at any message board if you look at twitter if you look at facebook uh, any kind of article that's up there about Batman v Superman, gets taken down by the commenters very quickly who believe that this film isn't worth their time. And it's not that at all. It was great fun. I really enjoyed many, many scenes within it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, going into this movie, it was basically you just had to pull back and go, okay, Look, I've read a few things that say it's good. I've read a few things that say it's pretty bad. But all of a sudden there is this consensus forming that it's bad, even though actually from what I had read, whether it had been from the Guardian newspaper, the Irish Times, mm-hmm. from Empire, they're actually giving it a recommend. These are solid, um, you know, really solid journalistic um, organizations. Yeah. Uh, and so I was going, okay. Now at the same time, you had some ums and ahs going on in some other solid journalistic, um, organizations as well. So for me, it was kind of like going, okay, um, but you just had to leave that at the door because you, you were essentially getting spoilt by other people's view on, on this movie. Exactly. And I mean, you know, it's not a foreign language film. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's not, um, a, a story about the uh, intricate politics in Washington, D.C. Um, it has some of that as a driver of a story, ultimately, about people who are superheroes or meta humans and people who aren't and people who have a damn lot of money and use that to try and bring good to the world in the sense of Batman. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Lex, if you want to call and that. And Lex, absolutely, <laughs> with a different motive. Yeah. But, you know, this is a good action movie Mm -hmm. i mean this is like tearing apart die hard the first movie i mean (laughs) it 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 comes to that level of for me you know what are you going to see um i'm going to go and see a comic book movie you know yes christopher nolan elevated them to like like looking at it in terms of almost like a godfather style or godfather s type way but that doesn't mean to say that they all need to be done like that and i mean here Zack Snyder is not setting out to do that like Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan did. Um, He's got a different palette, he's got a different way of working, and he's got a different style. Um, Personally, I've always liked Zack Snyder's visual style. I love how he frames images. Um, But sometimes I've thought, um, for example, with Sucker Punch completely at the expense of storyline. And that was my biggest fear mm. going into this. But actually, I think really what happened was uh, Zack Snyder was actually having to battle with the amount of storyline uh, and different side plots and different setups that was really happening here. And I think that was a difficult job to do. And I think he just about pulled it off. It certainly is crammed full to the rafters. Certainly. And sometimes it messes with um maybe what's happened, or maybe what could have been explained more, what could have been explained less, what maybe needed to be elaborated on with regards to the
0: core plot. But... Like I really um ultimately enjoyed this movie. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh one of the things I think I described that we did some feedback for our friends over Legends of Gotham. Uh and one of the ways I described this movie was that it really felt like a comic book event. You if you read the Civil War storyline, um, which is a huge book in the Marvel universe, if you read Flashpoint, uh, which is the DC kind of equivalent, one of the big cha- big changers for DC, if you read them, there's usually about eight issues, which are the central comic books, but they affect the other 160 different characters uh, that are that are spawn out of that universe or leading into that universe so while you don't need to read all of the other comic books that are connected to those events when you read them it adds layers and layers of of intricate detail you know and so the introduction of Wonder Woman in here honestly I loved Wonder Woman and I'll talk about it later on as we get into our points But I was looking at it saying you could actually cut out her scenes. You could you could scalpel out those scenes from the film. And it actually wouldn't change any of the central storyline. But it was so great to have her. And it's made me hugely excited to see the Wonder Woman movie. By having the Flashpoint scene, which we'll definitely talk about, where Flash is introduced. That's a really exciting scene that makes me really interested to see the Batman standalone film. But when you see those films and when you look back at this film in five or six years' time after seeing the other connected movies, it's all going to make a lot more sense. And all those extra pieces that hang off, you don't need to understand them coming out of the cinema after your first viewing. Uh, it's just setting up a universe that hopefully you'll be interested enough to go and see the side movies. And that's the way that the Marvel comic events work, and that's the way the DC comic events work. So this really feels much more like a comic book universe than Christopher Nolan ever tried to even attempt on screen, It's is the way I would see it. But that does bring me on to my first point, which is the intro in the, of, to the film itself, which is once again the death scene of the Waynes, Thomas and Martha, um, played by Jeffrey D. Morgan and Lauren Car- Cohen, who are both working together over on The Walking Dead. Uh, love Jeffrey D. Morgan generally. Um, didn't know. I don't know whether you needed the actor to be as recognisable for this particular scene. He's got about three minutes on screen of a scene that we've seen many, many times. And one point I want to make as a Gotham fan, I really actually prefer. The Gotham version of this death scene, um, it isn't—it isn't as impactful without David Mazouz's scream at the end of it. For me, uh, when it goes to silence uh, as this version of Bruce drops to his knees, um, it doesn't feel as impactful as the scene that carried the first season of Gotham uh, for me, which I just thought was interesting. Uh, but it does lead into. Uh, Bruce falling into the bat cave at his parents funeral, which is something we still haven 't seen in Gotham over the course of uh, a season and a half we still haven 't seen any connection to the bat uh, or Batman. the actual bats themselves i suppose We've seen loads of connections to Batman, but no connections to the bat but right at the end of that scene, as Bruce is raised from. Uh, hit from the chamber by the bats swirling around him, which I think is a fantastic looking scene. And to your point about Snyder's uh, visual style over story sometimes, uh, it was the moment in watching it when I thought, uh uh-oh, this is going to turn off some viewers who wanted a realistic set in the same Christopher Nolan universe, Batman. This is something that Chris Nolan would never have done in his films. And I loved it. I thought it was really enjoyable.
1: Well, I mean, Chris Nolan did the whole bat swelling around Bruce Absolutely. Wayne, but an older Bruce Wayne, um, with a flashlight and going up. But yeah, the whole death of Thomas and Martha Wayne and then this, um, young Bruce Wayne running, falling down a well and being engulfed by the, the bats was much more stylized because yeah. you even have the pearl from, um, Martha's, uh, necklace falling down the well with Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that um, it actually was really, really gorgeous. Much more stylized than, say, that opening of the Gotham TV show. Absolutely. And I preferred the Gotham TV show one, not so much because I preferred how it looked, although I liked how Thomas and Martha looked like the wings of a bat Mm -hmm. and you had... Bruce Wayne, played by David Mazuse in the TV show, um, sort of screaming up, being the head of the bat. Yeah. That was really quite iconic, I think. The thing about these opening scenes for me was that I just actually didn't think they needed to exist. True. Um, I don't think we needed to see the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne again. We didn't need that explanation as to why... um. Batman does what he did. Because I think in this, we have gone beyond that. His rationale here was to stop Superman. And we got that explanation with him running towards the Wayne Enterprises building in Metropolis Mm -hmm. to try and save the other people. I thought it was done in a better way like that. And if it was done simply to set up the Martha reference then again, I don't think it's needed. I think you could have provided that exposition within that scene. So that's, that's the only thing actually that you've picked on that really, um, you know, I just wasn't entirely sure whether they needed to show this part of the Batman story again. And um, that is one of a few negatives that I do have about the film. I think it could have allowed for other Explanation where they could have done a Man of Steel type thing where they could have actually started the entire movie basically looking at the multiverse and a different Earth that that aspect where you see Superman and um, being a killer you know his own army uh, the parademons and, and all of that and that that could have been set up at the start and then you have Bruce waking up from that or something um, and I I just feel that more time could have been spent on that multiverse stuff, which I thought was really cool. I absolutely loved that. I loved the Flash showing up as it did. And I think even for people who don't necessarily know about um Earth 2, Earth 3, Earth 4, and, mm-hmm. and the multiverse, you know, this could just equally be a dream sequence and it's something for them to find out but i just felt maybe you know that could have been um better expanded on by removing um, an element of this story that to be honest is pretty well um was much more uh largely known in the consciousness of, of society even non comic book geeks um,
0: and
1: <laughs> compared to say the multiverse aspects that were brought out in in this
0: uh, in this film. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. There's probably some other choices they could have made. I think the reason why it's in here, and it seems to be a bit of a, a contentious point. In fact, I remember back when the scenes were being filmed, there was a huge call for why do you need it, why do you need it, you know? I do think we've got a great one in Gotham, which I mentioned, but um, I think the reason why they need it is because it does humanise Batman. It always humanises Batman. That's the idea of the basic concept when originally created, uh, was that it makes Batman human. It makes... His whole idea of vengeance for the rest of his life, it justifies it. It's someone on the street that kills his parents in front of his eyes when he's a child. And for the rest of his life, he seeks vengeance for the people who can't protect themselves like he couldn't as a kid and the connection that comes in later on in the film when batman realizes that clark also has a also has a mother, also had a father and is as human as he is even though he's seen as the superhero or the or the uh, the alien from another planet. Uh, that moment of realization that crosses bruce is what ultimately justifies the two of them joining back up and teaming up together. Um there seems to be a bit of, a bit of confusion about that, uh, that I've read out there that people seem to think, you know, he realizes that their, his mother has the same name as him. It isn't that. It's that the two of them have, have human mothers and people that they care about and are doing this for the people that they want to save. So I think the reason for the scene is, is justified. Um, I don't know. I'd just like to see a, a cameo from, from David Mazouz again. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that would have been a choice. Uh, but that's my first point just on the opening. I think it was an interesting choice and probably set up the movie. Uh, if you didn't like the scene where the dark knight rises, I suppose, uh, as the bats lift him out of his, uh, out of his confinement in the cave, um, probably a moment where you may have walked out of the cinema if, if that wasn't, wasn't floating your boat. Uh, but it did lead us in that wonderful scene as, Bruce Wayne drives through the streets of uh, of Metropolis. Uh, really exciting scene, actually.
1: Yeah, and I thought that humanized him just as much as seeing what um, happens to his parents, which mm-hmm. we already know about. And I think that's my main problem with it—not that it was necessarily in there, but given the scope, scale, what was trying to be achieved by the film. Um, I actually thought they humanized him twice so they could take one out. Mm-hmm. And we know of um Thomas and Martha Wayne. Let's put it in the context of Man of Steel, of this idea, if there's the 1% um, chance that he is bad and will turn on society, given the destruction to the Wayne Enterprise building in Metropolis, him trying to save his colleagues um, and, and the girl, that humanizes him. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to see. Um, his vigilante side afterwards uh-huh. but i think that brings me on to my first point i really like ben affleck as batman um i just really really liked what he brought to this role he brought a a swagger um of, of a um of a tycoon of, of a playboy in society i, I would dare i say it better than christian bale did right and um, maybe it's just they focus quite a lot on that as well with mm-hmm. the the Galgadó scene and, and at Lex Luthor's um house um i really liked um Ben Affleck's portrayal as Batman it was it was really nicely dynamic with Alfred uh, i loved how Alfred was doing the me, 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 me kind of thing, um, <laughs> into the, the voice modulator. I loved how Batman was so dark in this, um, you know, the branding element, the thing that really kind of, you know, you can see it sticks in the throat of Superman and why he wants to pursue this, this vigilante in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees that as wrong. Um, you know, I like the fact that there is this, um, duality between the two of them where, you know, Batman is absolutely suspicious of the motives of Superman. Um, thinks that, you know, he's playing God. Um, he's probably seen other people who think that they're, they're, they're playing evil God, like the Joker, for example, mm-hmm. you know, who ha- hold people's uh, lives, uh, livelihoods, um, society's uh, life and, and livelihood in their own hands. And he finds that dangerous. And uh, at the same time, Superman obviously seems to feel that, and um, there is a guy here going off on his own to extract his own type of, um, enforcement and control on on, on society. And for Superman, that branding element is something that maybe sticks in his throat with regards to the fact that as Kryptonians, they were branded as being a, a soldier, a politician, a scientist yeah. or something like that. So yeah. I, I really liked how this, this new Batman was portrayed, the older version, the more cynical, the world weary. And obviously seeing, um, you know, that there is the hint to Robin's death there in the Batcave with, um, is it Jason Todd version of of the Robin? Potentially, um, yeah. With the old suit with the the Joker scroll on it. Really, again, another nice little Easter egg brought into this film that just hints at something. I do feel, however, um, that... you know, do you really want to remind yourself of such a bad event in your life? I mean, that's like having, um you know, I suppose, your mom and dad's graves on your own property. Uh, yeah, he does. So he does like <laughs> to remind himself Batman, yeah. of all the bad uh, times in his life. Um, but I, I mean, I did wonder about that, whether, is that just a really twisted souvenir that Batman's keeping in the Batcave? Certainly, yeah.
0: It, it kind of is seen as, as one of the times that Batman failed. That's kind of the, uh, the impression that's given in a lot of the, a lot of the books and a lot of the, uh, the versions of, uh, what's happened here. Yeah, I think it's an allusion to, to Jason Todd and what makes me excited is that this year we're going to get Suicide Squad, which will explain a bit of this version of Joker's origins with Jared Leto playing uh, playing Joker. So I'm really excited to see how that's going to play out and how we're whether it is Jason Todd, whether the uh, the ideas that have come out of this film play into that directly, whether we will see those scenes with uh, with Ben Affleck and. Uh, Jared Leto, possibly with Jared Leto dressed as Robin, you know, very interesting ideas, you know, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that's in here with the Easter eggs. Really, really exciting. Um, yeah, my, my perspective on Ben Affleck, I totally agree. I think he plays a great Bruce Wayne and an excellent Batman. He's got that power to him as Batman, uh, and the playfulness as, um, as Bruce Wayne. There's a couple of great scenes that they have. I like the little playful moment between him and Alfred, um, where he, where he ev- eventually says to Alfred, look, we're criminals. We always have been criminals. Yeah, nothing's no, changed. Like yeah, nothing's changed about that. He says, and Alfred's the one that shows him what ha- what has changed. The God has arrived. The guy who's destroying things all around them. So I love that interplay between the two of them, where they know they're criminals. You know, they know that they do things that are against the actual law, but they're doing it for what they believe are the right reasons.
1: Yeah, I think even when you you see the the Gotham police officers going in to rescue um, all the the ladies and the girls who are. Uh, captured and behind bars in, in that building you've got the the, the guy who's obviously trafficking them mm-hmm. um, branded with with the bat symbol um but you know they are wary of the Batman like they are firing their weapons at him you know I think there is a how about you don't shoot the good guys I think it is one of the lines used by by them as the bat escapes like, yeah he's not um a trusted um member of Gotham society like we left him at the end of the dark knight Rises, where mm-hmm. he is seen as being the savior of the city this is um again a lot has obviously happened in the timeline since then and gotham has again descended into chaos corruption violence uh, and crime mm-hmm. with, with all these uh villains i loved the the easter eggs um on the the pillars were batman and Superman have their big fight where you have, you know, you have the question mark of the Joker and then you do have the J-O-K-R on different pillars. You have the Joker, um, graffiti as well. Mm-hmm. Just little nods to, to this wider Gotham world. Yeah. Which just, is great. just
0: like in Gotham in the TV show, get, get some Joker graffiti in anywhere you can. Uh, yeah. Just about that scene. I like the fact that when he saves the girls, um, who are, who have been captured, the girls who are being trafficked, they pull the gate closed behind them. Uh, Because the Batman is still in the building and he's still hanging out above them. Uh, They close the gate behind them without being saved by the cops. Because just in case the Batman comes after them. Yeah, a nice indication that he is still the scary vigilante who's been working for years um, in the city. Yeah, really, really enjoyable.
1: Derek, what's your next point?
0: I'm going to go on to two of the most exciting Batman scenes in the film. The ones that happen without without uh, Clark Kent being around. Um, The two driving scenes, I thought, were so well shot. They felt like out of the best driving films. Um, the, The first one is the opening scene, which I mentioned slightly earlier on, but it's effectively, I love scenes that show... And um, the, the action that's happening all around in the distance. There's a, there's a great film called Children of Men that does this hugely successfully, which shows the action that's going on as a car is moving through the scenes. What you see here is, uh, that Bruce is driving through the city of, of Metropolis, uh, about to arrive to, uh, to Wayne Enterprises. Um, but everything's exploding all around him and he's taking random turns down streets to try and avoid the explosions that are going on. It just seems like such a vast uh, palette. Now, we did see this movie in IMAX 3D, so I'm wondering if maybe that added to the expansive, um, layer of the filming that was going on. But it's, it's a huge city, city scene that, uh, Bruce is driving around and uh, avoiding all this, uh, avoiding all these explosions everywhere. And I just thought it was hugely exciting. He jumps out of the car and then run to, runs towards the explosion, which is very, 9/11 uh, moment that you see the the smoke coming down the streets of uh, of the of the city of Metropolis. I uh, thought that was really exciting, and the second one is. Our Batmobile scene in this movie, I thought that was fantastic. When he's uh, when he's yeah, dragging the car right. behind him, flipping it over um, as and he's driving after the after the bad guys, was really exciting.
1: Yeah, and ultimately fails. I mean, I kind of liked that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, he tags the truck, but yeah, no, that was a really really good scene. Uh, and and it's it's one of those things where you know one of the great things about Batman is that he doesn't always come away successful, and, mm-hmm. and we see here, you know. He is getting older. Um He is almost getting killed every time he goes out into the city, as Alfred says, uh, when he comes back to the Batcave for the first time. And here's another example where, you know, maybe he's slightly lost his edge to some extent because he is the older version of, of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, I mean, I kind of like that. He, he still has ways of, of like having backup plans in place or he's still got the um the the to to know that he needs to have them in place or he can he follows through and to try and get it a different way but I, I like the fact that you know it's that contrast again between humanity and then godliness um, and and the difference between these two superheroes mm-hmm. Um is really good yeah
0: yeah, and yeah, no, really, really enjoyable. A nice little nod to the age of uh, of our Bruce Wayne here when he speaks to uh, Clark Kent for the first time. That that great moment at the at the final meeting or the first meeting of Clark and Bruce, uh, where Clark asks him, "What's your opinion of the vigilante in Gotham?" And he says, "You just wouldn't understand, son." You can tell that he just feels much older, much more longer in the tooth than he ever has been. It does make me wonder if the if the standalone Batman films that we're going to see if they're going to be. Um, if they're going to be prequels to this film, uh, are they going to have, um, like, obviously they've aged up uh, Ben Affleck for this film. They've got him with, with uh, the gray streaks in the side of his hair. I wonder, will he lose those and just be a little bit younger, uh, uh, saving the streets of Gotham uh, for our future Batman films? But yeah, those two exciting scenes, those two driving scenes was my, my second point. John, do you want to give us your next point?
1: Yeah, I just want to give, um, actually just one of my negatives actually on this. I, I, I love the idea of Superman being seen of as a god, um, or at least, you know, a meta human or an alien from outer space. I, I, I have absolutely no problem. But uh, to be honest, Zack Snyder's constant ramming of, of God references and biblical references down the throat, it, it slightly got to me, um, here. It's not really my cup of tea. I like the idea that people will see him as that and i like that to be mentioned yeah but the constant um aspect of of him being shown in um our well christian godly kind of poses you 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 know you have um the the lazy saying that he he doesn't even answer to god Um. he has there's the crosses in the wreckage after the doomsday fight Mm -hmm. Um, and and that um you know Classic image of, um, Jesus being brought down from the cross by, by his followers. And here we have it as Superman being brought down off that kind of broken concrete plinth with all these crosses. This was a bit too much for me. Um, like I get the reference. I'm, look, it's not my thing. I can appreciate that maybe for some other people it would be. Mm -hmm. And, and okay, fair enough. But. To me, Zack Snyder can leave that and he should maybe just purr that back. Um, it was kind of in Man of Steel, the Mm -hmm. two things that really kind of just made me go, Oh, gee, we're going down this way is, you know, the stained glass in, in the church and and that conversation between Clark Kent and and the, the
0: priest or the Uh, vicar. That's right. As he's wearing the same clothes as Jesus in the picture
1: and the whole sort of sacrificial cross. Um, stance of superman as he floats away from zod's ship um into space and off down to to save earth again mm-hmm. as someone who's not religious you know i just kind of like go okay enough is enough right right and it's just not to my taste but I don't mind the association that he is
0: considered to be a god. I just don't think you need to show it in every image. I agree with you. Such. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I know, I know it was one of the, uh, one of the things I wasn't a fan of in, in Man of Steel either. Yeah. But I know, like, I know it's present in the comic books. I totally, totally understand that it's been present in them since the forties. It's, it's very much the idea of, well, if Superman comes to earth, you know, effect- effectively El sends his only son, um, to Earth to save the humans. Of course, there's going to be a connection with uh, with God and with Christianity. It comes from a uh, Jewish background, I believe, are the uh, two of the writers that were involved in the original Superman connection. So, of course, there's going to be that concept of uh, of religion in there. Um, but it does feel like it's hitting the nail on the head a couple of times in this film, uh, and as it did in Man of Steel. But it does, I suppose, help it match up at Man of Steel a bit more uh, than I probably was expecting. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I do take the point though. Speaking of which, other big point for me about the film is the death of Superman. I thought this was such a brave choice of Zack Snyder to go for. You know, we're two films into a huge series of movies and he's effectively killed off possibly the second most recognizable character in comic book history. Um, Batman is probably now the first, given the amount of films and games and TV shows and everything that are related to Batman. He's probably now the most recognized, but certainly up until uh, the 90s. Superman would have held that title and now Zack Snyder has made the choice to kill him off in this film that's a really interesting choice and if you weren't paying attention for some of the film you may think that this is the last we'll ever see of Superman and um, and it's very easy to miss uh, within the first watching certainly of the film and um, that you that this is the death of Superman and that's it Henry Cavill's out of a job um cause cause of maybe the reaction of fans to man of steel they'll they'll get rid of him but um the element of the element that probably needed a bit more explanation i suppose in the film was the idea of other worlds and uh, of the multiverse that john mentioned earlier on there's a specific line that said and there's a whole reason behind why it's in there uh, when flash pokes his head out to to tell bruce um, this is the possible future you are right bruce superman can take over the world he has to be stopped uh, that's a reference to the fact that there is another superman who has gone a different way uh, gone the way that bruce expected him to go really and um, so it's one of those really interesting ones where we will probably see a standalone Superman movie in the future, probably called Superman Lives if they uh, if they take the title from one of the um one of the previous comic books. Um but it was really kind of exciting and really um surprising to me because it's one of those ones when you've got the holy trinity of uh of DC Comics together on screen, you just expect they're going to steamroller over everything. As I said in earlier on in the podcast, the question for everybody here was uh, who's going to win Batman or Superman well Superman will obviously win because nobody could take him out Um, he'll kill Batman well they teamed up and it wasn't Batman that killed Superman it was Doomsday which has happened in the comic books you know Um, we knew Doomsday was going to be in the film we could we should have expected it but it came as a complete surprise to me that Superman was the one taken out here
1: yeah I loved the choice that they did this I, um, I thought it was really brave I think as well Again, it's a comic book movie Mm -hmm. and there are absolutely um, other ways in which he can come back. We've already seen the alternative version of of Superman from uh, the multiverse, you know, killing um, humans, being quite despotic, uh, very the very opposite. You could argue he almost died twice uh, with regards to the nuclear blast up in uh, space. Mm -hmm. And I loved how he... (sighs) um, repaired himself. I mean, he did look like Bizarro, In I case, think, yeah. um, there, which was a really nice touch. I absolutely loved that, um, that version of Superman with all the kind of the bad Kryptonian powers or the reverse of the Kryptonian powers. It just looked, um, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, is he dead? We see two funerals going on, and on one of the funerals we see the the Earth lifting, uh, very Nolan-esque in terms of you know, things starting to shake and, and lift up, and then it cuts to uh, black and the end of the movie, but mm-hmm. very Inception-y uh, to an extent. But, um, you know, so is he dead? I don't know. I I don't know enough about the DC Universe here on, on this to to know whether he is or, you know, We've still got the warning bell, uh, cry, uh, we've still got the warning bell and the warning cry from the flash that, uh, Lois is the key to all of this. So, you know, is this, um, the start of the breaking open of the space time continuum, so to speak, <laughs> um, and, and really what we might see as, um, you know, desperate measures required to control a, a despotic, um, megalomania, type of superman Mm -hmm. alternative an alternative version of him
0: yeah yeah really intriguing and really really interesting choice i thought for the for the guys to write the story like this i think particularly after doing something like Man of Steel, which didn't get the greatest reaction from comic book fans. I wouldn't even say Superman fans. A lot of Superman fans I know did actually enjoy the film. Um, But comic book fans generally didn't take it to their hearts as they have with other films before. And it was almost like doing another two fingers up. It was almost like, well, we're going to tell the story we want to tell. We don't really mind what your reaction to... Our version of this universe is, we're, we're going to do our universe the way we want to do it. and um, which is a great instinct. These are films at the end of the day, and I want to see a director put their stamp on it. So fair dues to the writers and fair dues to Scott Snyder for making a big decision here in this film. Um, John, do you want to give us your next point?
1: Yeah, Lex Luthor. Um, I was fairly dubious going into, uh, the film of everything, even with the particular sort of, uh, reviews that have come out uh, prior to the film's release. Mm-hmm. I was still unsure as to Jesse Eisenberg, um, and how he was taking Lex Luthor, but I needn't have worried. And um, mm-hmm. for me, he totally worked. And um, again, it's like with a new Batman, um, the new Lex Luthor, will he, won't he work? You know, we saw some kind of crazy, uh, lines going on, but I liked this nervous, jittery, slightly kooky, uh, evil villain. Um, he really worked. It was almost just like this inner monologue. The fact that he's in an asylum locked up with his head shaved at the end of the movie is a perfect ending for Lex Luthor at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's his obsession with his own intelligence, his knowledge and what he knows. It's like it's eating him up inside as he really is the mastermind behind the events of all of this, you know. To begin with, you just feel as though it could be that, you know, he's trying to protect the earth with, with getting these, these silver bullets, these kryptonian bullets in order to be, you know, not homeland security, but planetary security. And, mm-hmm. um, but here, um, you know, two points, I think for me, that really worked um, in, in addition to that final ending where he's locked up is, where he blows up Capitol Hill, oh, Superman yes. in it. I mean, just the intricacy of his plan where he helps uh, the guy from uh Wayne Enterprises uh in Metropolis, where he helps him with a new uh wheelchair for for um his disability incurred from the blowing up of that building, um, to the whole tension between him and um the senator on the committee i love the interaction between him and holly hunter who plays the senator and the the tension between these two uh you know for for lex luther he just feels that um this is another senator that he can bribe wrap around his finger and she's having none of it you know she blocks the import of the kryptonite that's been recovered And, um, it all culminates with her seeing this jar of grandma's peach tea, or is it piss, Mm. um, on her desk. What I loved even more though from this was the fact that his own assistant, his PA, is sat there in the building looking at his empty seat where, uh, looking at the empty seat where Lex, her boss, is supposed to be going, where is he? Mm. As, The whole place explodes. And again, the element of doubt and suspicion is thrust upon Superman. We see that happening out in the desert uh, with the attack on the terrorists. All of this is trying to sway public opinion to see him as a threat. And I mean, he is just a great character. The other part then that I really liked was where he is just... Um, giving a speech at the um, at the philanthropic event that he's holding where you've got um Clark Kent you've got Bruce Wayne and you've got Wonder Woman uh, all there in the audience mm-hmm. and he's talking about the Prometheus uh, story about that knowledge with no power well that's paradoxical and he essentially lets it slip that he wants the power
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he just says okay that's it you know yep. get on with it. Enjoy, because, enjoy your free drinks. Enjoy your free drinks and all that, and, and comes off the stage. I thought that was just sublimely brilliant how how that was done. Mm-hmm. I really liked that, and everyone's kind of there, really not fully taking on board who they're dealing with here, even though it's it's there. It's just been presented to them in plain sight. I mean, even with regards to there are three big characters. You know, Bruce Wayne is is. Um, is hellbent on hacking into the servers, so he's not really concentrating. Clark Kent is hearing Alfred in the earpiece, so he, he's kind of again, he's not really listening to Lex Luthor either. And Gal Gadot similarly Same. is after um information held on the servers of of Lex Luthor's um company. So yeah. it, it's like, and everyone else just has no notion of really what he's got he's looking to do and what he's capable of. And so I love that it's kind of exposed in in, in plain sight really.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely another one of my points, Uh, Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal, probably because again, I had no idea what to expect from him. He just seemed weird. I remember Gene Hackman's version as my definitive movie version when I was a kid. Uh, and yes, it's very weird to look back on now. He's a very uh, out there, flamboyant kind of character. Jesse Eisenberg is, is flamboyant in a way, and it's mostly just because he stands out Um, And I think that's the point of the character With the way I was thinking back on it afterwards, it really does feel like he's the nerd in the schoolyard with the two big bullies. You know, if you see someone the size of Ben Affleck's uh, Bruce Wayne walking towards you in his monkey suit, or you see someone the size of Superman walking towards you, you kind of step out of their way. Whereas if you see someone the size of Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor coming towards you, you ignore them, you push past them yourself, you know. And um, it's kind of the allegory that he uses throughout the film. He's effectively saying, people do underestimate me, but I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm going to get those two guys to beat the heck out of each other until one of them's dead, and, and then everybody will realize that I'm the one with the power to control the meta-human and. The vigilante you know really interesting take on a character and i really i really enjoyed it there's some great scenes with jesse eisenberg the one that was in the trailer which i love in the context of the film where he's saying the red capes are coming the red capes are coming where he's effectively quoting the past of america where they let someone run and take control of them without fighting back he's effectively saying we're going to let history repeat itself if we don't learn our lessons here and take some uh, some measure to stop superman um and he feels like he's the only person that's got that concept people are are throwing themselves to their knees in front of superman people are allowing uh batman go and brand uh villains in in gotham city as their protector rather than using the police force so he feels it's the onus is on himself as the intelligent one to stop these two from taking over the world and give it back to the intelligent humans like himself and i love how he plays it really really interesting
1: yeah i mean on the face of it his motive is actually quite admirable. Uh-huh. It's, it's the making sure that humans are protected from essentially these all powerful beings from, uh, from Krypton and the damage that they have caused. I mean, again, I was at that point where Oh my God! You know the 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 last building contract has been uh, finished in in Metropolis, mm-hmm. uh, just as Doomsday comes along and begins to wreck it, it, all, again. it all again. Um it all again. You know, yeah.
0: so he takes out Gotham as well, though, so it's okay.
1: But in that context, <laughs> what Jesse Eisenberg is saying in terms of the security of the inhabitants of Metropolis and of Gotham does make sense the thing is he is also a megalomaniac and it isn't just done purely for altruistic or for selfless reasons this is to feather his nest for power for money for riches and for control Mm -hmm. ultimately and so that's why he then does descend into the villain but on the face of it 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 is a, a good um sort of notion that he brings up i do like the fact that he actually does know superman is clark kent mm-hmm. he knows that bruce wayne is batman the plans that come together um he ultimately wants batman to steal the kryptonite from the white portuguese the boat that is bringing the kryptonite in illegally um on to lex luthor's labs he wants batman to steal it so that he generates the weapon that has the ultimate face off forced by Luther uh on Superman by having his um his mom held hostage and with a, a, a ticking clock held to held to his head basically. Absolutely. Um so I love this. I love as you say his belief that you know intelligence and knowledge should win out over just pure brute um force or Bruce force um <laughs> over um Everybody, including himself, mm-hmm. and I think you said it as well. You know, he is the geek that he is the window that lets people in to to this movie. Yeah, he's the one that kind of puts it within a context of you know. And down below in the ocean, there was the Emerald City when he sees Kryptonite. As you say, the Red Capes are coming. The Red Capes are coming with the reference to the Red Coats are coming in the War of American Independence. Yeah, all of these different elements really being explain to the audience through lex luther ultimately he is our way into the motives of, of these uh, superheroes yeah. and ultimately him trying to control them and stop them
0: absolutely yeah yeah and, and to your point i do also like the fact that he's also the one that has got the cctv footage and the photographs of the other characters that are introduced the justice league that are introduced i do like that
1: yeah, which kind of brings me on to my, um, next point, my fourth point, which is I actually really liked how all the characters from the wider DC world were introduced. I mean, you know, this was such a busy film. I kind of liked the way it was done in terms of data, that it, it was, uh, data files that Bruce Wayne got hold of, um, that Diana Prince was trying to get her hands on or, or Wonder Woman. Um, I loved the different scenes here. Um, but primarily, I absolutely adored the creation of Cyborg. Cyborg is oh, well, someone yeah. who I don't really know too much about. I know Aquaman, unfortunately, more about the skits on Robot Chicken, probably, <laughs> than, than I do in terms of the character, and that's my own bad. But um Cyborg, I loved this, um the Mother Box. This, I have no idea, other than the name of it, what it's about. Uh, if anyone can... Um, shout out some really good cyborg comics that I should get to, to really know this character. Um, please send them into feedback at GothamTVpodcast.com. Cause I, this was the character that really got my, my interest. I mean, first of all, you had Miles Dyson who created the Terminator, essentially creating another, um, cybernetic organism. <laughs> and I just loved how this mother box, the pain on the face of Cyborg as he's being created from the the energy and the power within this box was fantastic. It, it was short shot, but was imbued with so much sort of agony um, and pain in oh, yeah. the creation of this human-cybernetic hybrid. Really, really nice little snippet there of, of Cyborg. So I'm really interested in Cyborg. Um Aquaman, again, it was kind of... There is that kind of joke that the camera was lingering on Jason Momoa's like gorgeous, uh, chiseled (laughs) cheekbones, maybe just a bit too long. Um, but I love the kind of the the water propulsion uh, and um almost sonic boom, wasn't it? Yeah, underwater sonic boom that occurred from him as he as he leaves the the wreckage of of the ship that he's coming in, and then the flash. Um, I'd like to see a bit more about the flash. I mean, it was just security footage but it it made sense i think um you know
0: yeah and yeah that i did think that was the weirdest one of the three uh just showing the security footage it made him feel much more of a grounded hero than uh than the other the other uh people like you know you, you sit flash you can move very fast beside a guy who's created when he only has a little bit of his body left he's turned into a cyborg and you've got aquaman and it felt a bit um a bit pedestrian almost but then obviously we had the flashpoint sequence where he's he's screaming out of a of a computer screen at bruce wayne saying um this is not the, this is a possible future if you don't do something about it so that version of the flash i thought was really was really interesting and having those two scenes within the film i suppose really exciting uh, it does lead me on to my other point i like we're doing a bit of back and forth little, little batman v superman table tennis here um The other one is obviously the other huge character who got many more scenes. We've mentioned her a few times now, but um, she is a huge standout of the film for me. Diana Prince and Wonder Woman, both of the characters quite distinctly defined in this movie uh, and really intriguing for me, which is all I wanted really from this film Um, because I knew that we were going to get a lot of Batman and Superman and didn't want her to completely um, overtake the film or to be... Or to be underserved, I think she gets just the right amount. There's a great, that great moment between Bruce Wayne and Diana Prince where they meet for the first time at the party. And she's so playful. There's a good bit of banter in there with her where it reminded me really of Selena Kyle um, in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, and, you know, that kind of Catwoman, playful, um, thief almost. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, she does deliver the item that she stole from Bruce Wayne. She does deliver it back to him and say, I only borrowed it. I don't know why, why you're getting your knickers in a twist, basically, you know? Um, I like that kind of touch to her that she is playful. She is, she isn't a criminal. She's doing exactly the same thing Bruce Wayne did. And she's also returning it to him. She just wanted to have a sneak peek at it herself effectively. Uh, I like that touch. I loved. The little uh, allusion to her past, the fact that she's, you know, at least a hundred years old in the in the image that we've seen, which has uh, Chris Pine from Star Trek, uh, Captain Kirk, uh, shown in the, shown in her team. It's got the Native Americans shown in her team, all during set during World War One. Makes me really excited for a future wonder woman film which will explore that we know that chris Pine's going to be in that movie we know it's going to be partly set uh, in two time periods one of them being world war one so excited to see that it's great a great little call out will chris pine be dc universe's uh, peggy carter possibly yeah possibly maybe he'll get his own spin-off movie set in world war one that'd be really exciting as well does he
1: age like i i say I, again Anyone who's got any good comic books on on Wonder Woman for me to
0: read, um, please uh, let me know which volumes I should uh, should look at. Excellent, excellent. Uh, We will hopefully get to read them before the next Wonder Woman. But there is the third and best sequence of Wonder Woman, obviously, when she suits up alongside uh, Bruce and alongside Clark um, to take on Doomsday. I must say this really charged me with a bit of a bit of excitement for seeing the future Wonder Woman movie movie because I love her battling. She's she's totally able to go toe to toe with the other with the other guys. Obviously, you know, you've got the technology, the science and the religious, the God. uh, And now you've got the strong, powerful woman who is going into battle against Doomsday. There's a great shot where she gets knocked back basically on her ass, uh, by Doomsday, and then just stands up, gives a little puff, and then jumps back into the fray yeah, again. that was cool. She is a warrior woman, and it's it's fantastic. Really, really well captured in those scenes. Really enjoyed it. I really liked her, her musical theme as
1: well, oh, yeah. coming into that with the drums. I thought that was really, um, you know, invoking of the the amazonian kind of warriors that mm-hmm. is, is represented here like it was just really good and um, again there may be some arguments to say did her cameo need to be so large in that sense but i'm kind of glad it was as well yeah. I, I i was good to get to know another character in in a bit more depth uh, compared to just the file scenes for the other, uh, three in terms of the Flash, Aquaman and Cyborg. Um, you know, it was good. And I mean, Wonder Woman's is the next big film, um, after, uh, Suicide Squad that's on the slate. So, mm-hmm. you know, she is the next one up. So I think to give her this amount of time in this film made sense given that, you know, this is the reverse of what Marvel has done. Yeah. They're setting up all their, um, Big characters in this coming together of three of the, their biggest um, you know, and hopefully we'll see more of this intertwining
0: through Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman and leading through all the others so it should be really good yeah so exciting to see her up on screen and really excited to see what she does in her own film um, it's also one of the good things about having Diana Prince that side of that character um, you tend to find when you also have to pair Batman with a love interest in a movie which tends to happen in all the films they don't tend to do anything else. They tend to be the love interest that sits in the back and does nothing. So great to see that they've taken a little bit of a cue from uh, Nolan's version of Dark Knight Rises. And they have, uh, like Selena Kyle, you have Diana Prince here, who's also got a big part to play in the film. So really enjoyable. John, do you want to give us your last point?
1: Yeah, it's the pictures, actually, the artwork within um, this this film. Um, We have two of them, which are kind of foreboding um, of what maybe is to come both in the film but also maybe in the wider dc universe Mm. and the first one is at the reception um where all three of them are attending and on the background on the wall is this uh white and black figures you see black and, and white armed figures beating down uh one another and that for me um, it's, uh, it looks like Cleon Peterson's A Balance of Terror. Oh, piece. right. Um, and this all kind of is a foreshadowing of the, the, the white being good and black being evil, um, or perceived evil, uh, in relation to, um, the fight between Batman and Superman uh, in in amongst the pillars. Um, But then the other picture that we have here, and I don't know who this might be by, but it is the devil here and Hades with devil at the top and all his underlings below him, that kind of long, huge picture in Lex's father's study, I think, that Mm -hmm. is kept exactly how it is. And this is part of the picture that seems to have sent lex luther thinking about a larger bad other than simply doomsday or even the superheroes in this film and that's possibly um referencing the dark seed i mean we do see the omega symbol on the ground in one of the alternative earths uh from the multiverse mm-hmm. and uh amiga um i think it fires Omega beams and so on so we have all this referencing here um is ultimately the big bad that's being represented here by the devil. Is that possibly the dark seed? Okay. Um, you know, is this the DC world's um, Thanos? It could be. It might not be. Uh-huh. Um, there is a suggestion that it is possibly going down a different route, that it could be Aquaman that is sort of the big antagonist here. It may even be if we get evil Superman. Uh, if you think of injustice
0: gods among us and that kind of storyline then um it could be superman yeah absolutely absolutely and we've got two justice league films coming up to find out as well but yeah to your point about the artwork i love the scene where uh, jesse eisenberg's lex is talking to holly hunter uh, and telling her that i think i need to switch that painting the other way around we all know now that the devils don't don't come from below; they come down from above. It's it's that whole concept, and as you say, it's probably because he's been sitting in his father's office drinking whiskey, looking at that painting many times, um, and looking out to, you know, everybody thinks that Superman's the savior, but what if he is the bad? What do we do? What do we do about him? Yeah, really nice touch from uh, from Snyder in this in that scene, definitely. Darren, what's your final point? For my final point, I think we need to talk about that scene. <laughs> like we need to talk about the future flashpoint scene, um. Where we get a live action version of The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's amazing, seminal graphic novel. And um, fantastic to see this represented on screen. And I think it's one of those books that is, um, that is so well loved by many, many people. And they really did it justice in here. It's almost, it, it feels like almost panel for panel, uh, in some of the scenes. This is where, um, Bruce Wayne is now. He is still wearing the Batman outfit, but he he feels more like a like a commander for uh, for the army uh in the future where he's being taken down by uh, by Superman and his army of troops um uh, really did feel so connected to that Frank Miller book. And it's great that they've taken this lead off from uh, from that to show the possibilities for the character of Batman. You know, it was one of the kickoff points for me. When watching the film that showed me that they're really expanding out in this universe, they're really trying to show you the possibilities that can be had here if we don't shackle Batman into being the Dark Knight only uh, in his city of Gotham, which they tend to do within the previous, all the previous versions of of Batman, including Gotham at the moment, the TV show, they're, they're shackling it to being... This has to be within this exact same universe where we're going to tell some back history of the characters, you know, and expand on back history of, of other characters. But we're not going to stray too far from the comic books. Um, this was saying, well, even if we don't stray far from the comic books, even if we take stuff that is absolutely canon and well-loved by fans, look how vast this universe is. Uh, it's a great choice to do it within this film, I think, and... Um, it really did open it up, and it really opened up a new side of the Batman. Um, stuff that people probably wouldn't have seen if they're not comic book fans, you know. Uh, really, really exciting for me to to see it up on screen there. And then obviously to have the reveal that it's a, a future version of what could possibly happen in an alternate universe. Amazing stuff to to put into five or six minutes of of film. What a, what a, a huge amount to explain to people that have never seen those, those sides of the DC universe. People that haven't seen the TV show flash, which is currently exploring those things. The alternate universes, other Earths. um, if you've never seen that stuff before and you didn't get seven episodes of a TV show explaining it to you, I wonder what you thought when you came out of the cinema after watching that. Uh, but I really enjoyed it, must say. That's kind of my, my final point, but I do have a few notes. John, do you have any notes about the film?
1: Yeah, I have a few notes. Um, in particular, I, I loved the touch of taking Zod's, um, fingerprints off with, with the kryptonite kind of laser knife That's type cool, thing. That yeah. was really, really cool. Um, I loved the, big batman fight with and um, the the russian guy who could be uh kg beast um mm, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was really cool i just thought the way the 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 bat kept flew in and he he went into the second floor came up from underneath took them all out i loved the fight in there you know he gets a knife there um, in, in the shoulder does Batman again showing his humanity mm-hmm. he, maybe he's a bit slower than some of these younger hoodlums that are, are there trying to take him
0: down well, I was so like Arkham Knight though wasn't it? it really did feel I felt like pressing the triangle and the x button and yeah. I had a moment while watching it on this huge screen and so excited to watch it because I, I think if you followed us over in the Facebook group or if you've listened to any of our podcasts you know we're also gamers and and the Arkham Knight series the Arkham series have been some great Batman series of games i played them all to the end uh, and it really did feel like me playing a video game for a couple of minutes there and really really enjoyable to see on an IMAX screen. Definitely.
1: Yeah. I like that was, I thought, just really cool. And then the fact that he saves Martha with his cape, you know, the, um, the Russian dude does get off the, the, the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's maybe a suggestion that he could be a firefly as well. There yeah. could be a whole host of different uh, reasons that bring back this, this antagonist. Definitely. But I love that whole fight scene. Two kind of interesting points for me was the the port company where the big bat car chase happens is the Nicholson Terminal and Port Company, oh, right. which is obviously Jack Nicholson. A reference to Jack Nicholson's Reference joke. to the Joker there potentially, and um, and I love the scene where you have the bat rifle and you have Batman atop. The crane with the rifle, um, firing. And that comes straight out of Frank Miller's, um, Dark Knight as well. Right. So right. really good iconic shot, um, for me. Of oh, that's cool. Again, a whole host of other different kind of Easter eggs in here, like the para demons, the Amiga mm-hmm. symbol. Um, I think the diner where Martha is, is working, where she's abducted from when she leaves work by, uh, Luther's sort of thugs. I didn't notice the diner reference. What was that one? It was Rally's Diner. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's nine hundred miles from Metropolis, out in Hicksville. Um. So yeah, really good little nod there to to that as well. Right. And there's probably a whole host of other ones that um I missed as well, but uh, there were a lot of them in, in this.
0: Well, yeah. One of the no- one of the other notes I have, one of the ones that we didn't mention throughout this, is um. And another slight two fingers up to the fans of Superman. Uh, In Man of Steel, we had a character uh, who was ostensibly another Jimmy Olsen. It was Jane Olsen, I believe, or Jay Olsen, the the female, um, kind of. Uh, intern within the Daily Planet. We got to see her for two scenes, I think. I don't, I can't even remember if she had a line within the first film, uh, which kind of angered some fans, thinking, oh, no, they've gender-swapped this character. I love these people that call themselves fans and then can't accept little changes. Well, guess what the two fingers up in this film was, John? The opening scene where we have uh, Lois Lane traveling over to a foreign, foreign land investigating, and we find out there's a CIA agent with her. Mm-hmm. that's jimmy olsen that's the famous jimmy olsen from the comic books who's now appearing in supergirl the tv show uh yeah that's him getting a bullet in the head at the opening of this film Um now taking him out of this wor- this version of superman we will never see another jimmy olsen on screen much like we'll never see a superman again which means we probably will they're going to do it in another version we will have that jimmy olsen back who's not a member of the CIA, I presume, in a future version of Superman. But yeah, I thought that was really intriguing. I thought that was a, an interesting choice. And one of the other notes I have for the movie, I do love Henry Cavill's portrayal of Superman in this film. I can You can see why uh, he goes down the dark path. You can see why he wants to battle against Batman. Um, and one of the big things about him, it's really that they really show that his caring for people is his weakness. Long before Kryptonite, he cares for his mother. He cares for Lois. And those are the things that get to him. Those are the ways that the villains are able to get to him. Whereas Batman, you generally see him as being quite standoffish in this film. Yes, he cares for Alfred, but nobody knows about Alfred. Uh, Nobody's holding anything over Bruce. He is just trying to protect his city. That's Daredevil, I think you'll find. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of Daredevil recently. (laughs) But he is trying to protect his city of Gotham um, all the way throughout this film. Whereas you've got Clark who is trying to protect his mom at times, he's trying to protect Lois, and he doesn't really care about his reputation at all. He doesn't care how he's seen by anybody. He's just trying to do the best he can to protect the people of Earth, uh, but specifically the people he cares about, which I think is an interesting choice and does show the way that they were able to direct him to do what they wanted him to do, the way Lex was able to direct his actions, because he does care for people, which it feels like this version of Bruce Wayne has lost everybody he's cared about, so there's nothing really left for him other than to keep going on his revenge and vengeance and vigilante ways um so i thought that was an interesting choice within it anything else for the movie overall any other notes there was also the reference to
1: star wars oh. in that lex luther is given the designation tk421 uh, in his cell which is the designation given to the stormtrooper that luke and han uh took the uniform from Oh my gosh, that's
0: some deep Star Wars reference it in there. It really
1: is. But that, I think, and that comes from a little bit of friendly competition between J.J. Abrahams and Zack Snyder uh, in relation to the production of this movie and obviously the new Star Wars uh, That's films.
0: true. Yeah, I remember all those back and forth uh, Twitter uh, pictures between the two of them where, um, where you had some of the characters from Star Wars dressed as Batman or Superman and some of the characters in Batman and Superman Dressed as Star Wars characters. Yeah, really, really interesting. Nice, nice, interesting little Easter eggs that are in throughout these films. So I think that closes us out on Batman v Superman. I think by this stage of the podcast, I think you'll understand we generally definitely enjoyed uh, batman v superman i'm hoping to go back again very soon um the imax 3d experience was one that i don't i want to repeat as well and once it's out of the cinema i will be able to get that so uh really really enjoyed it if you haven't seen it that way if you've only seen it in 2d and you did enjoy the film i would highly recommend the imax 3d uh, experience if there's an imax cinema close to you just the vistas that are painted by Zack snyder in this film really lend themselves well to the imax experience i think quite quite a bit of the film was actually filmed in imax much like christopher nolan used to do with his batman films. so uh, well worth checking out i think and john any kind of general overall thoughts on the movie
1: yeah like back on defenders tv podcast i would generally defend uh, an episode or we all do and i would normally give it a score out of five for this one um I'm giving it 3.5 weaponized tiaras out of (laughs) 5 with a hint of lassoing of truth. Um, I think, for me, this is not a perfect film, but it is just a good introduction to the wider DC universe. Uh, Elements that I certainly don't know um, about fully, in particular with the, the newbies in terms of Aquaman, Cyborg, um, and even with Wonder Woman. Okay, I remember Wonder Woman from the TV show. Batman, I love and adore. Uh, Superman, I know from the films. And The Flash, my um, introduction to The Flash has only really come very recently through the CW TV series. Mm-hmm. So for me, this really teed up nicely the DC universe. Um, I It introduced two really... Well-known iconic characters with new actors in their role. In terms of Ben Affleck playing um, Batman and Bruce Wayne, and Jesse Eisenberg playing Lex Luthor, and both of them to me worked really, really well. And um, yes, you could argue that there are elements that you know the average punter is not going to know, mm-hmm. um, such as the uh, multiverse and, and and these alternate realities. But I think they equally work as a dream sequence and I don't think that is going to actually um, spoil anyone's enjoyment of the film. Um, There's a lot going on here and it's a lot for the director to grapple with. Um, But I think some of his visuals are absolutely excellent and this is just a great good fun uh, action film. I would say my only negative, my real only sort of gripe with this does go down to the, the referencing to the Lord Almighty yeah. on uh, at a lot of different uh, levels and at different times during the course of the movie. But the fight scenes here are great. Mm-hmm. They really are. The car chases are great. And um, I didn't really touch upon it um, so much in my five points, but I think Superman and, and Lois Lane's relationship, it seems much more now real than it did in Man of Steel. I yeah. love the bath scene. It was just a nice little touch. It really does set up his protectiveness, in particular, as you say, for the people that he loves. So for that reason, this is absolutely a recommend for me uh, for people to go and see. I would ignore what um, critics, uh, so-called fan sites are, are saying. I think make up your own mind, and mm-hmm. um, see what it is, and then read those types of, of, of reviews. To me, go in with an open mind and think of it as... A great introduction to the wider DC world, a really good action movie, and a really good reintroduction of some really well-known DC characters that Mm -hmm. you probably already know and love, such as
0: Batman and Lex Luthor. Yeah, and just to say again, if you haven't seen it in the cinema and you've listened to the podcast, there's still tons more in the film and it's so much more exciting to see. Don't miss out and see NIMAX an 3D if you can, not that I'm sponsored by them, but once you do, you can only see it on Blu-ray or your own DVD, and that's all dependent on your own television at home. Uh, getting the best experience possible for this film is what it's all about. It's about a movie experience, a cinema experience, and we haven't had a film like that for a while, so uh, go out and see it, definitely. Um, I totally agree with John on the three and a half kind of score, if I was going to score it, three and a half out of five. Um I think it may even air towards four once we've seen some other movies connected to this, once we've seen Wonder Woman Suicide Squad, once we've seen the Flash movie, once we've seen the Aquaman movie, all of those elements. And obviously the Wonder Woman movie, I don't know why I left that one to last. That's the one I'm most excited about now. But once we've seen those films, those connections, I believe are going to really play in to this film and this film will actually feel much more like it was made after them all. Uh, Because it feels like they've laid out the pieces for uh, some interesting wider universe stuff. But with that, I think it's time to get on to the feedback about Batman v Superman, colon Donna Justice. So our first piece of feedback comes in from Richard Blaze, who sent us in a a message over by DM over on Twitter, at GothamTVPodcast. Uh, Richard says right then my take on Batman v Superman overall I thought it was good not great and this is why first off I personally dislike Superman as a character I find him bland predictable and ridiculously boring having said that I actually enjoy the Superman movies when I saw Man of Steel at the cinema I thought it was poor but I recently bought it on Blu-ray and watched it again twice and now actually see it's a really good movie despite the controversy aimed at it the ending and destruction of Metropolis the death of Zod I thought was a good choice. But clearly the criticism of Man of Steel cut Zack Snyder deep, and so he wanted to publicly apologize for what he did, and he tries to shoehorn this into Batman v Superman. I was chuckling to myself how every time there was a fight in a supposed populated area that had to make sure one character shouted, don't worry, that area is vacant, <laughs> or something similar. Uh, so the hang-ups of Man of Steel I really felt in this. Batman, or Batfleck, as he forever shall be known, nailed it. Every scene he was in costume was perfect. The argument about Kill Count doesn't bother me, and I don't really see it as a hang-up. The downside was that he wasn't in costume enough. As Bruce Wayne, he came across as a far more wounded individual than I think I've seen before, and certainly gives great hope or excitement to a standalone Batfleck film in the future. Lex. Ah, Lex. I started off hating this characterization of him from the trailers and from the first hour of the film, but weirdly, as the film progressed... I bought more and more in with Lex and what he was up to, a genius looking to prove himself to all and be seen as a high power. Obviously, madness has to go hand in hand with that. The reason why I didn't think it was great was really just down to the amount they tried to cram into the film. At over two and a half hours, they could easily cut 30 to 40 minutes uh, from it to make it punchier and on the mark. Absolutely. I'd get rid of all the dream sequences. Don't really think they offer anything. Since when has Batman been a psychic? No, a piss kick. (laughs) (laughs) It says that's a Phoenix Knights joke uh, for our American listeners. Uh, I'd also get rid of the poorly filmed Meta-Humans cameos. Aquaman looks just awful, like your mate seeing how long he can hold his breath for (laughs) underwater. Flash doesn't fit in what he could be. And speaking of Flash, was that really him appearing in a time news speaking to Bruce in a dream? Cyborg hugely messed up if you don't have a clue who the character is. Well, <laughs> oh, well, there
1: goes me. I have no clue. I thought it was brilliant. Excellent. <laughs> I see the differences of opinion on this film. It's great. I know Cyborg from the Lego DC <laughs> <laughs> games. Uh-huh. um, But yeah, I wouldn't know Cyborg in the comics at all. And I thought
0: really good here. Mm-hmm. And Richard goes on to say, and this is probably my biggest criticism of Batman v Superman. Wasn't, isn't really mainstream friendly. Marvel has done it with their movies, standalone films that slightly hint at a greater film that turned into the Avengers. DC with Man of Steel, no reference. Batman v. Superman just flooding with them. But only if you are in deep within the comic book lore. I must admit I missed many and had to scour the internet for answers, and I've been reading comics for decades. This is probably why critics are killing it at the moment and it's a genuine shame as I really don't think it deserves most of the comments. I saw it just after midnight on the Friday with the cinema packed full of comic book nerds and we were all positive about it. I'm going again to see it soon with a non-comic book nerd so it'll be interesting to see his viewpoint on it. One final thing, despite hating Superman, I wouldn't have killed him off at the end. Too much of an easy way out, climactic ending. I preferred him smacking Doomsday off into space where he mutates further and becomes much more like the comic book version. Then the next standalone Superman film, he returns to Metropolis to kill Superman.
1: Interesting
0: thoughts, Richard. Thanks you so much for that. Absolutely,
1: yeah, really interesting thoughts. Um, I definitely completely agree with you that the Batfleck and Lex Luthor both were nailed. They absolutely really were. Uh, myself, too, I, I think Man of Steel, I think... He's never been high on my list of being great, but I've always watched the films and I've always enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of a bit like with Captain America for me in, in the Marvel verse until Marvel have done the treatment, um, in comics and on, on the
0: films. Uh, he's like, just reacting to the look I gave him when he said he, when I thought he was saying that he didn't like Captain America.
1: <laughs> like, I really like what they've done. And I, I think here he does act as a good foil and contrast to um batfleck ultimately and the craziness of um of lex Luthor. i mean ultimately he does seem quite domestic despite being the god amongst us and i think again if we are reflecting on what we think are the terrors of the night and the problems we we would go someone with so much power deciding not to use it is that suspicious? Probably. Mm-hmm. You expect Lex Luthor to be the, the mad megalomaniac who, who comes in and essentially tries to upset the, the Apple cart. You expect Batman with his wealth to put that to some use. But here we have someone with godlike powers in terms of, you know, uh, heat vision, uh, ice cold breath, able to fly, super strength. Yet actually he uses it quite sparingly or intimately um in in this world Mm -hmm. um, certainly and i think that just contrasts nicely but still i can understand why um yeah sometimes um superman can come across as being the least likable of of the of the characters yeah Um, it's such a pity
0: because i do i do kind of see he's not given a huge amount of love from people Uh, he is seen as boring he is seen as the all-american hero almost He's sometimes saddled with that boring kind of idea, just, you know, like a lot of people do. I think he is a genuinely, um, exciting character that was created in the forties. And because of the creation of Superman, what happened was a bunch of other superheroes were created around him with different types of interesting sides to them. Uh, so he started out very one dimensional. And they have given him other sides and they have given him uh, romantic interests over the years and have created a a wider universe around him. And some of his villains are some of the best villains in, in comic books, essentially. Um, And they have created the movies that they created for them in the 80s with Christopher Reeve were fantastic, but it does seem that he'd stagnated for quite a while. So I'm really happy with what they've done with Henry Cavill here in giving him a little bit more humanity, um, which we didn't, which we haven't seen in the character for many years. Uh, And yeah, I'm I'm really liking what they've done with him now. It, It was unfortunate by the end of this film, I was kind of rooting for Seeing a wider version of Superman, and when when they did kill him off, I was—I until I thought back on the movie, I was going, "Oh well, that's great." So we have just created one a, a Superman I really liked, and now he's gone. But we'll see another Superman in the future, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I loved the alien slant that they put on yeah. Superman. Definitely, or, you know, the invader or is he? Mm-hmm. Does he come in peace? And that type of question, I preferred that aspect to it much more than the notions of religion and, and deities, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, talking of the contrast, it's, it may even be setting up to contrast him with himself. If we get a dark version of Superman, if we get a bizarro or something like that, like we've seen in the dream sequences, then there is that contrast linking back you see a a, a progression over multiple films then from mm-hmm. man of steel through this i think maybe here sometimes it didn't feel like the sequel to man of steel it felt like a new batman film possibly yeah you could argue because yeah. batman was so present in it certainly
0: the first 40 minutes i would say i, I was wondering if if it was just kind of set up batman A little too far, maybe to your point from from the beginning of the podcast, they were definitely trying to set up this new version of of Batman. This is not your Christopher Nolan Batman if I haven't said it before. Uh, This is certainly not that Christopher Nolan Batman or the Christian Bale Batman. This is a brand new Batman for a brand new universe. He needs to be able to work in a universe where you've got flying humans in it, where you've got people with superpowers in it. He he wouldn't work like that if it was Christian Bale. No, absolutely. And one final point on what Richard said, I do agree with you on some of the elements about this not being a movie for the general populace that are out there. This does seem to be quite focused on comic book fans or those that are interested in comic books. I, as John mentioned as well, we do read comic books, but there's so many years. There's 75 years of Superman alone, you know, uh, of Batman alone, and of Joker. Uh, I can't have read all of them. Can't know every single thing about the, about the films. I can't know every single thing about all of the comic books. But I come with it from being a Gotham fan from watching a Gotham TV show now 35 episodes in, plus reading loads of comic books, plus reading, um, plus seeing loads of films about this universe. And I think it speaks to me as this is, this is the the gateway drug that will get me into even more comic books and even more of these comic book movies. So, um, while I do think this isn't made to bring the entire family to, um, I don't know whether that's a missed opportunity or not. I think that's possibly what they were going for in creating this wider DC universe. They were they were looking for that. I don't think they were looking for the uh, get everybody in, get grandma over, get get my grandkids in, you know, they don't think they were looking for that with this particular film. So, hopefully it's played really well with that and maybe the you're right, maybe the reason why the critics didn't have as positive a response to it is because a lot of the critics wouldn't see themselves as comic book fans.
1: Yeah, and I I think just quickly uh, going to the point, I completely agree. I think in parts it could have been punchier and more on the mark. As to whether 30 to 40 minutes being cut from it, a two, two and a half hour um, blockbuster is not that unusual these days. Um, I definitely think some... um, some minutes could have been removed from it but i actually think it's more that they could have been removed so that other aspects more aspects that maybe are going to play better with the dc films to come such as the meta um humans such as the uh, multiverse such as other aspects of the dc world could be further hinted at or explained and so mm-hmm. i and i think that was kind of the point i made were as a comic book fan and even maybe as a non comic book fan who would have gone to see the dark knight trilogy or saw the the batman films back in the 80s or who is a fan of gotham now i don't necessarily feel i need to see Thomas and Martha Wayne being shot anymore. That is maybe five or ten minutes that could have been put to another use within this film. Um, In the same way that I don't think it needs to explain Batman's motives through this film or for those to come. His motives to me... Or quite clearly in this film, yeah. he sees Superman as a threat who needs to be stopped. No, and I don't think the mainstream audience either need to see Thomas and Martha Wayne being shot. I oh. think they just need to see Batman being completely hacked off with this battle okay. of Zod and Superman over Metropolis, which I thought they did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and, you know, I like the cameos, but maybe then that time could have been spent setting up or teeing up those cameos more. Or, as you say, maybe just being removed totally and just focus on the Wonder Woman cameo with references to others along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, That could have saved some more time, definitely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I did mention, I suppose, early on, you could scalpel out the Wonder Woman scenes. It's reasonably easy to cut her out of the film. but. They are fantastic, and I wouldn't have lost them for the world. I'm sure that's kind of Zack Snyder's idea as well. He wouldn't have lost some of those seeds for the world. But thank you so much for your feedback, Richard. Really good to hear from you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Richard, for the feedback. It's really appreciated, absolutely.
0: Quick little bit of feedback from Ben Rush. He says, I feckin' loved this film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, David Wang also echoes those sentiments. Uh, He says he absolutely adored the film, really, really enjoyed it. Owen Heafy says, "Love the movie, Found it was very heavily inspired by The Dark Knight Returns and Superman Doomsday. I was fairly well able to predict the outcome, but there was nice use of the kryptonite gas. All in all, I loved the movie, but would have, would have liked a small bit more originality. But as an apt- adaptation, it was very fateful. 4.5 glowing kryptonite spears out of 5. Excellent. <laughs> and Owen says, did you get the phantasm reference from Alfred? I didn't until I Googled it, but thanks very much for pointing me in the right direction. Uh, so apparently this is one of the ones from the film where Alfred says, Alfred suggests that the unknown phantasm that, that Bruce could be searching for could be a woman, which is a reference to the lead villain in the Batman Mask of the Phantasm, one of, uh, one of comic fandom's favourites, ah, okay. uh, Batman animated films. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that, Owen. Uh, he says, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Owen. Absolutely. Thanks, Owen. Really, thanks, really yeah. good to say. And our final piece of feedback comes from Bill Meeks over on Legends of Gotham. A nice little crossover with Legends of Gotham since we gave them some feedback for their Batman v Superman coverage. Hopefully we'll get to do a round table with you in future, Bill. Uh, great to hear your feedback.
2: Absolutely. Hey guys, this is Phil Meeks from Legends of Gotham. Uh, first of all, I am so excited that you guys are so close to us in the airing of Gotham episodes because last year, not the case at all. Very, very uh, distantly spaced out uh, between what you guys were seeing and what we were seeing. And it was awkward because we love you guys and we want to talk about the show with you, but it's hard. But at least now when you guys are seeing the episodes, there's, you know, just a few weeks back so we can actually remember what happened in them. And we can, you know, tweet tweet at you a little bit. And, of course, we're going to have to get you on for a roundtable after uh, Season 2 wraps up over there. But anyway, I'm calling about Batman v. Superman. Now, first off, Man of Steel I absolutely loved it. I'm a huge Superman fan. Like I I mean I love Gotham, I love Batman, but I have a Superman tattoo, you know what I mean? So, I it, it, it was a big hill for Zack Snyder to climb and he he hit the summit. I I loved Man of Steel, so I was so excited for this film. Not necessarily for the Batman v Superman aspect, but for the the world-building aspect and they they hit that out of the park, man. Uh, they, or men, rather, I they they did so well with it. By the end of the movie, I felt like this is basically the DC Universe as I know it. I mean, it's still early days in the DC Universe, but you have so many elements there. You have Batman, you have uh, Luther, you have Wonder Woman, you have Superman, you have Aquaman, Flash, uh, Darkseid uh, apparently is going to be showing up sooner rather than later in Justice League, and, you know, we have Suicide Squad to look forward to, too which is going to bring a whole different dimension to this this uh, wonderful, wonderful world that they've created. Now, I, I know a lot of people kind of poo-pooed on the uh, the film overall, but I really loved it. I thought it was really great. It reminded me of some of my favorite uh, DC Comics stories, uh, most specifically, and this even gets name-checked in the uh, in the movie uh, Must There Be a Superman by Elliot S. Magan from the 70s, uh, which basically... The Guardians of the Galaxy uh, abduct Superman, and they're they're like, hey, maybe all this stuff you're doing on Earth is holding humanity back, and they just leave it as a question. They don't come to any definitive conclusion by the end of the story, but it's just a question that's out there, and I, I, I think if you read that era, the Silver, or not Silver Age, Bronze Age of Superman as a full continuity, a lot of stories that happen after that, you can kind of see that work on Superman just in the back of his head as he's going on his his different adventures and coming into the modern age. So I'm so glad they addressed all that stuff in this movie. I thought, some people thought it was a little heady for a comic book movie, but I thought, you you know, it's some of of the best stuff I love about comic books. I I mean, just the fact that, I mean, you, you know, you have action, you have fights, you have big intergalactic threats, but at the end of the day, superheroes really talk a lot about our us humanity and and the best superhero stories kind of examine aspects of humanity and i think batman v superman did that in spades not only did you have the big you know how would the world react to a almost godlike superhero who uh, destroys a city on his first day out um but it also it, it spoke a lot to me in terms of batman's story arc where batman sees all this happening and he becomes disillusioned he ha- he starts off with this uh to get a Gotham reference and there this one true calling to bring justice to Gotham City and then he see after all this fighting and you know this uphill battle uh cleaning the streets of Gotham in one day he sees two beans tear through the world like it's a piece of paper and it just completely he 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 completely abandons a lot of his ideals and he he's you know ends justify the means from that point anything it takes to bring this godlike character down who could potentially destroy the world if he wanted to. And I'm Batman, so I have to prepare for that and take him out before he gets the chance. And so it's fun in one way to see that version of Batman, very much, you know, a Frank Miller inspired version of Batman, but at the same time, a a very uh, comic book, uh, natural DC universe comic book version of Batman that his, his just kind of lost the faith. And I, I really think there, there are two main storylines in this, and that's Superman dealing with the world's reaction to him, and Batman Bruce Wayne dealing with this disillusionment and trying to, to, win the battle as Batman always does and then realizing that oh wait a second maybe maybe I'm not right here maybe I have been looking at this a bit myopically and maybe this god that I thought was lording over all of us maybe he's just a guy like me with a mom like me and maybe if you catch him on a bad day or catch him with some kryptonite gas I he's he's just as vulnerable as I am beneath the bat suit so you know so much great stuff and I, I just have to say a little bit about Jesse Eisenberg's Luther uh, began back to Elliot S. Magan who it's it's criminal that he wasn't uh, credited in this movie cuz so many of his ideas infuse this movie But I feel like Jesse Eisenberg's Joker, or Joker, a lot of people have been comparing him to the Joker, but his Lex Luthor is probably the closest to Elliot S. Magan's version I've ever seen in any adaptation outside of, you know, Elliot S. Magan's uh, books and comic books that he wrote, which, by the way, Last Son of Krypton, a novel he wrote back in the 70s. I think you can, can still get it on Amazon. Well worth the read. A great examination of Lex Luthor and Superman and their relationship. Great, great stuff. But yeah, Eisenberg's Luther, great. It's just, he he's so bored of humanity and he wants to be in control of it. And then this godlike character comes in and he is not a fan of that. He understands that humanity is beneath him, but he wants to be the one in control of it. Not this big, brute jock Superman. this He wants his brilliant mind running the show and he can't stand the fact that Superman is out there you know, taking all the glory when he thinks it belongs to him and he wants to shape the world. And, and it's just, it's so obvious in his interactions with every character from the senator to Lois Lane to Superman, uh, to even when he introduces Clark and Bruce at the party, uh, he, he's just, he, he's so above everybody else. Even when he's stumbling through that speech at the party, he, you can tell he has this really well thought out speech and he just realizes about halfway through, these people are dumb they're not going to get it. They're here for a couple trite little words about philanthropy. They're not going to understand my big Prometheus speech. So I'm I'm just kind of checked out, and I'm going to keep forgetting what I'm saying because they don't care. I don't care. And, and it's just masterful. And I, I just love the transformation at the end too when they shave his head and he gets that cold, dark stare and you realize, okay, wait a second, this, this Luther is going to be a force to reckon with in uh, different movies. But, you know, on our show Legends Gotham, we often do an arbitrary scale to uh, signify how much we liked a particular episode of Gotham. So let's see, arbitrary scale. Out of 27 pellets of kryptonite gas, I give Batman v Superman a full... 27 pellets and i can't wait to hear what you guys have to say for our batman v superman special and we're gonna catch you guys here after gotham wraps up in the us in the uk for a big old-fashioned gotham roundtable can't wait to talk to you guys bye thank you so much for that feedback bill
1: it's really really cool and definitely uh really like your point about how you know superheroes are supposed to reflect back onto us you know Mm -hmm. what our thoughts of ourselves I think that's a really important part for for Superman, for Batman, and indeed maybe for some people for Lex Luthor. um, Just how you know you can have a, a darkness within you striving for good. You can have a darkness within you striving for your own self interest. Or you can have a goodness within you striving for goodness, but being seen to be a threat. And like all of these aspects, I think coming from these characters are are Mm -hmm. really multifaceted, multidimensional. And, and they really can get pulled out from, from these films for those who are much more deeply embedded within this world compared to maybe others. Um, like, um, a, a regular, uh, moviegoer or people like ourselves who maybe have more, uh, focus on, on the Batman. I mean, one of the things for me that really came from this is I really want to get to know Cyborg's origin story and, and some of his really, um, important story arcs. To me, I thought the pain of what he expressed on screen in, in those few moments, whether the device of having the file opened um it was the correct one to use in a multi-million uh, dollar film. That's another question. But sometimes, you know, I have a power. I get it. Okay. And they're happy with that. Yeah. Or, you know, this seemed like it was painful and, and problematic and i really want to see that work um in a film and for it to be explained I, so it really does help you sort of get to invest more into some of these characters um and, and the wider
0: universe definitely definitely and thanks so much for that feedback bill it's really good to hear from you we will be seeing you during the summer once gotham season two has finished and one final point for me that I just kind of came into my head as I was listening to Bill's feedback as well is what had happened if this movie had failed? I wonder what it changed my opinion of, uh, of what they did in this film, if it hadn't made the money, which when we saw it on opening day at ten twenty in the morning, it was not guaranteed to make the money it did over the course of it. If this had killed the DC universe completely and nobody gone to see it, uh, I wonder if I'd have a different opinion about those connections with uh, all the other films that were in there, what as it is, it certainly hasn't killed it. It's made a couple of hundred million dollars, so it's definitely leading to the rest of the of the DC Cinematic Universe as originally planned, and a bit further, in fact. And um, so, I'm so glad about that because I would hate to have some of the ideas brought up in this film because there's some really interesting ones. I'd hate to have them never be seen again in the uh, in cinematic future. Like what happened when we saw Green Lantern which wasn't a great film, but was trying to set up a universe of films and it failed miserably, unfortunately. So those universes will never be explored in future. So that's kind of my final point about the movie as we close out. But if you want to send in any feedback to us and thanks again for everybody who sent in feedback to us, uh, all you need to do is just email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com where we cover obviously the Gotham TV shows every week uh, so you can just send us in feedback anytime about that show Uh, you can also come over and join our our Facebook group by just going to facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV podcast follow us over there or you can join us over on Twitter at Gotham TV podcast but make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you've enjoyed what we've been talking about here on Batman you can hear us talk about Gotham every week over on iTunes just by going to gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with our next episode of the podcast, episode 65, where we'll be looking back at the TV series Gotham, episode 13 of season 2. But thank you again so much for listening, and we will speak with you next
0: time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Talk to you soon, Gothamites. Bye. Bye. For being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.
2: This has been a Flickering Myth podcast network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it.
0: Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.